I'm Massimo Bottura. This is Amanda Cohen. This is David Kinch. This is Mike Anthony. This is Huni Kim. This is Amanda Freitag. This is Richard Blaze. This is Paul Kahn. This is Curtis Stein. This is Stephen Harris. This is Missy Robbins. And you're listening to Andrew Talks to Chefs. It's how chefs think. It's how artists think, too. You learn a thing. Like, you learn how to draw a hand. That's not art. You know, that's like you learn how to draw a hand. But then you draw a hand holding a bird with one eye, you know, then you've got something. So you learn how to boil an egg, that's something, but then you boil an egg and you cut it in half and you dress it with all kinds of crazy stuff, yes. then you've got something that you want to yeah. eat and is interesting. The date is April 14th, 2020, and that is Ned Baldwin of Houseman Restaurant in New York City and co-author of the new cookbook, How to Dress an Egg, our guest on this special report of Andrew Talks to Chefs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is a special report of Andrew Talks to Chefs. I am your host, Andrew Friedman. As always, our great thanks to Sam Pellegrino for covering the production costs of these special reports. We wouldn't have been able to deliver them to you without them. So you know that expression, save it for a rainy day? Well, that's kind of what today's show is. As I've mentioned once or twice in the last few weeks while we've been doing these special reports, I do have a bunch of, I guess what I would call normal episodes, meaning deep dive biographical interviews in the bank from before we entered this seemingly endless quarantine era. One was the one with Elena Regan that I shared about a week and a half ago. Like that one, today's show is centered on a book. In this case, it happens to be a brand new cookbook that came out just last week. The book is How to Dress an Egg, Surprising and Simple Ways to Cook Dinner. And the author, with his collaborator, Peter Kaminsky, is Chef Ned Baldwin of Hausman Restaurant, who is my guest today. Now, to be honest, I wasn't going to run this interview just yet, but I had a conversation scheduled yesterday with my friend, Chef Dan Kluger of Loring Place Restaurant. We were going to talk about a lot of things including Dan's memories of his good friend and former chef, Floyd Cardoz, who we lost to the coronavirus a few weeks ago. And if you're in the New York City area, you know that there was an insane rainstorm yesterday that ran pretty much the whole day. Dan and I both live in the suburbs north of New York City, and Dan lost his power. He had no service. So we were unable to do the interview And I decided to share this one with you mainly in choosing this amongst all the interviews I have in the bank because I do think it is a public service to share it because Ned's book just came out. I know a lot of you out there are doing a lot of cooking right now and seeking new recipes and techniques and ideas. And this book, How to Dress an Egg, very much is that. Uh, My only hesitancy in sharing this interview last week, uh, maybe on the publication day, was that Ned and I actually did a much longer interview. I really enjoyed meeting him. We had a wonderful conversation. He has a very interesting biography. He's originally from Seattle. 
He was a, a visual artist. He was a sculptor. And in his 30s, he turned to the professional kitchen. He worked at places like Kraft and then really made his bones at Prune Restaurant, where he eventually became chef de cuisine. And it was such a great story that I, I wanted to sit on it until we were back to doing regular interviews. Instead, I'm, I'm splitting it up. I've, I've excised the portions about his cookbook. And at a later date, I will share the rest of our conversation, which actually runs about an hour. It was a very long talk we got into that day, sitting at Houseman Restaurant, um, uh, Ned's Restaurant in Lower Manhattan. And uh, But for now, I want to share this interview with you about his book, because I think it's a wonderful book. And I think, like I said, I think it's a timely book, not just because it just came out, but because of how many of you out there are cooking right now. Uh, one other thing I want to mention before we jump in you will notice, and to me, it was it was bittersweet to hear it. We we interviewed at his restaurant kind of in the mid-afternoon, and you can hear the clanking of the kitchen just around the corner from where we were sitting in the dining room. There's a constant uh, noises coming from people using the espresso machine. You can hear espresso grounds being tamped down. You can hear the steaming wand being employed. Uh, you can hear voices of people talking. Uh, you know, throughout this interview, and I have to say, Ned is incredibly inclusive of his co-author, the veteran writer, Peter Kaminsky, whose work I admire quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation in this interview about human connection, even in this truncated portion that I'm sharing today, uh, about how Ned and Peter met, about the photo shoot, and things like that. So, all of that is very bittersweet to me. It is It is a reminder of what most of us, uh, maybe all of us, I guess, are cut off from right now. And that made this interview, which is essentially about a cookbook, um, you know, rather poignant just in terms of the atmosphere that surrounds it. In any event, I don't think I need to say anything more about it. Again, this is a down payment on a longer conversation that I'll share with you at a later, happier date in all of our shared history. But for now, this is me and Ned Baldwin, chef of Houseman Restaurant, discussing his new book, How to Dress an Egg. The process of making this book with Pete uh, was very different mm -hmm. because that's one big project that took four years. And, you know, I'm, I've written all sorts of things, uh, but not 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 a book scale project. Yes, yes. It's not the same. It's the difference between making a chair and building a house, you know? Yeah. Uh, and when you, when you, when you build a house, you have to be comfortable with a lot of unfinished things that carry on over time. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, honestly, it was a real uh, huge learning experience for me working with Peter, uh, and watching the thing, just watching the thing be made. I mean, uh -huh. obviously participating, but, uh, he was holding all these balls in the air, unfinished things, yes. and was peaceful about it while we put all the pieces together. He came to the restaurant. I had read a lot of his books, including the fishing ones, which the food yeah. world knows less about. Yes. In particular, one called uh, The Moon Pulled Up an Acre of Bass that's about striped bass fishing in mm -hmm. Montauk. Really beautiful story. I really like fishing myself. So uh, I saw that he had a reservation I don't bother anybody who comes in the restaurant uh, whose name I recognize, but yeah. uh, I had just finished the book and read it for the second or third time like a month before, and it you know, moved me. So I think Gabrielle gave me some good advice about that, which said, if they've changed your life, tell them. 
you know. If so we should say, I will have mentioned this in the introduction, but yeah. you, you spent several years at Prune. Yeah. So Gabrielle's Gabrielle Hamilton. So I came out and said, you know, uh, I just read your book. So we connected well, That's and we great. found that we shared yeah. a sense of humor yeah. and uh, interest in a lot of stuff. And I think that the, um, the reality, if you're going to write a book together, is uh, you're going to spend a lot of time together. Yes. Really a lot. And if you don't uh, make each other laugh and enjoy hanging out together, it's, boy, I can't imagine doing it. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I haven't collaborated on a cookbook in five or six years. But, you know, I, I used to go to these, you know, meetings if somebody was thinking about doing a book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd have an okay meeting. And they're like, okay, what do you cost? You know, like they were ordering a pizza. And I'm like, hold on. No, we have to go. <laughs> we have to go have a meal yeah. or go have a coffee. Go for a hike. Or go, <laughs> that's a good one. Do something uncomfortable. Or, or go to a, like a culinary bookstore, the book section of a you know, of a chain bookstore mm-hmm. and, you know, look at books together, see if you're like compatible, you know, like yeah. you, I'm not, not saying you have to like have like five dates, right. But you got to at least see if you want to spend time with that person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's major, major time. Agree. So luckily yeah. for us, I think it was kind of immediately evident that we liked each other and wanted to hang out. Yeah. But the restaurant, that was 2015 and the restaurant had been open for three months or so when he came in. Mm-hmm. So he called, I remember December 17th, called the restaurant. I was downstairs. Someone said, hey, Ned, P- Peter Kaminsky's on the phone. Do you want to talk to him? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Of course. Yeah. Don't hang up. So, you know, I ran over and we chatted about fishing a little bit. And then he said, um, so do you want to do a book? And I was like, Ah, no. I This restaurant's brand new. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I sort of knew who I was as a cook before I opened the restaurant, yeah. but now it's all in turmoil and figuring out how to do this new thing that I didn't know how to do. And, yeah. and he goes, uh, it takes a long time to write a book. And I was like, uh, oh, great. Cool. And then I thought, you know, who says no to this opportunity? Yeah. Um, so it took like, you know, we didn't have a concept. We just knew we wanted question. to work together. That was it. Okay. So there was a lot of like just sharing recipes and figuring out what there was, and I'm lucky enough to know a lot of people in publishing and specifically in cookbook publishing and or a few key people who gave me great advice mm-hmm. about what kinds of books uh, haven't worked in the past, what kind of book I'm qualified to produce. Mm-hmm. That was really the key piece mm-hmm. of advice. Meaning what? From a thematic, like what lane you belonged in kind of thing? Uh-huh. What lane I belong in, what... Uh, what platform is, <laughs> and how mu- how how much or little of it I have. That word is mostly just the in, latter. That word, that word has endured for uh, too long in the publishing realm. Yeah. I, I, well, we should tell people. So, platform is a reference. Well, you go ahead. You just platform is how many people know your name. Right. It's like your megaphone. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, your wattage. And the way it was explained to me was, um, uh, so if Tom Colicchio wants to write a book about Puglia and pasta. Uh, all he has to do is go to the publisher and say, you know, I'd like to write a book about Puglia and pasta. And they're yeah. like, great, here's $500,000. Yes. Go to work. Yes. Um, uh, thanks very much. Yeah. But if I want to write a book, not about Puglia and pasta, about God Anything. only knows what, yeah. uh, I have to show them what I got. So I have to write a real uh, uh, proposal, and it's because, they, it's because I have no platform. This is the difference. So what that meant actually is kind of awesome. What that means is I can't write a book that's about my cute restaurant and my cute life. Right. I have to write a book that's for people. That only you could write, presumably, ideally, or you, that you'd be among a very small group of people who could write. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's what I have for you, what I've learned that can be helpful to you. Yeah. 
And that's really what the book is. And so, you know, it's an interested home cook who uh, totally fell ass backwards into restaurant cooking when he was in his 30s mm-hmm. and, uh, had you know, had thrown a zillion dinner parties. And, you know, I was super interested in restaurant cooking as a sport and, as a, and all, all the access to learn as much as I could mm-hmm. about things that I didn't already know. Um, but also there was a little part of my brain that was like, oh, wow this is really cool. Like the home cooks, like the spy in the restaurant kitchen, like, wow, I didn't know you could do this. And this is really useful at home. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, I mean, there's this, there's this uh, feeling certainly in publishing that what happens in restaurant kitchens is not applicable to people's home life. Most of it isn't. Most of it, but there actually is a lot of cool stuff you can pick up. There are some things. Yeah. There are some things. So, you know, this is a, the book's like a combination of, uh, some of that stuff that I discovered that was like, oh, wow, this is great for you. You know, why don't you explain the title to people? How to Dress an Egg. Right. So it was the 90th title that we considered, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is apparently normal. Um, it's kind of like restaurants. The main thing is not to have a bad title. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and Pete and I both felt like it's got to be funny, and it's got to tell the story of the book. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, it anticipated this moment. So when people say, why would you name the, the book that, I can say... Uh, we in the book we teach you how to cook something really simple like boil an egg, mm-hmm. uh, and then we show you how to dress it up. Mm-hmm. So the book is twenty chapters. Each chapter is something as simple as boiling an e- mm-hmm. boiling an egg, or nearly as simple. Uh, and then three or four successive recipes that Riffs. articulate yeah. on that use that thing that you've already learned, yeah. and to make something more than that. Yeah. yeah, which I think actually is sort of a subversive way of teaching people how to be creative or or giving a pathway to creativity. Well, I think it's, it's both, right? It, it's rudimentary and creative. Yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And there've been some six, I mean, I'm not comparing it at all. I'm not, but, but there've been some six there's, you know, Colicchio's uh, first book was a little bit like that, like uh, trios that work. Do you remember mm-hmm. this? And it had, mm-hmm. it had, and it had like, uh, you know, he'd give you like three, you know, combinations and then context, you know, where you could apply them. Right. And it right. was, and he was like, this is how chefs, think it's how chefs think it's how artists think too how so well you learn a thing like you learn how to draw a hand that's not art you know that's like you learn how to draw a hand but then you draw a hand holding a bird with one eye you know right then you've got something right so you learn how to boil an egg yeah that's something but then you boil an egg and you cut it in half and you dress it with all kinds of crazy stuff. Yes. Then you've got something that you want to yeah. eat and it's interesting. Once you start thinking the way this book encourages you to think, you'll start seeing other ways to do that. You know, you'll start – like I know there was a point in my life where I'd worked on and bought and read enough cookbooks where nothing made me happier than if I had cooked like two nights in a row and I just had a bunch of extra oh, yeah. components in my fridge. Yeah. Like – the dinner after those two nights where I was just messing around with that stuff, that was the best one. Totally, totally. Our, my, where I had like some tomato sauce and some, you know, what, and some, some sautéed, you, know, cool, you know, cold sautéed, you know, kale with garlic, you know, and, and, uh, and some kind of pro, you know, some sliced chicken and some like, like you start throwing all that together in a fun way. And that's, that's the, that to me was always the meal I loved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What are the things in here that you are most excited to share with people? What are like the high value, um, not targets, but what are, yeah. what's for you the real like uh, high value uh, 
tips that you put out there? Sometimes people don't give ask away me, everything. Sometimes just... people ask me like, "What's my favorite thing on the menu?" And I'm like, "Well, I, it's like picking I your love favorite all kid, of it, right? Yeah, yeah, I love all yeah, of it. Yeah. I don't feel so dissimilar about about the book. The the uh, you know, returning to Norway for a second, that fellow Frank and I, yeah, we went to this place in northern Norway where uh, we we fished, um, rode out to not very far, a quarter mile out, and dropped a line and caught a bunch of cod. At middle of the day, it was actually mm-hmm. summer, uh, so it was light. All mm-hmm. don't have a clue what time we were eating, but I brought the cod back. I filleted it. Uh, he put a little salt on it, and then he said, "Go get the water. Yeah. We're going to boil the cod." We, you know, the whole trip, he was talking about boiled cod, and I'm like, "Ew, gross! Boiled <laughs> cod? That sounds disgusting." Right. He didn't mean boiled cod. He meant gently poached cod, okay. and it was poached in seawater. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I want, he gives me a pot and says, go get the water. I go down to the beach and I get the water. Straight seawater, not diluted. Straight seawater. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we poached this cod and he made uh, melted butter with parsley and shallots and boiled some Norwegian potatoes. And it was one of the best meals I've ever had wow. with Akavid. And uh, so the idea of cooking fish in seawater really stuck. So there's a chapter about cooking cod mm-hmm. or North Atlantic. Sam Sifton uses his expression, North Atlantic ground fish. I think that's funny. Like yeah. every bottom fish yeah. that you can find out right. here. Right, right. Uh, and any of them will do, although cod, pollock, and hake are maybe the yeah. the, the most similar um, to each other. Uh-huh. So there's a chapter about that that I think is really nice. It's a really healthy way to eat fish. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't smell up your house. Uh, there are a bunch of different ways. I mean, once you've cooked it, you can do a zillion things with it, mm-hmm. which is the concept of the book. Yeah. And Here's, it's a little different. Yeah. 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 So I like that one a lot. There's a steak in the book. Uh, it's a hanger steak, uh, and it's actually a, a pretty one-to-one uh, steal from what we do here. We don't. I, I don't really like a crust on a hanger steak. Mm-hmm. I think the te- the hanger steak's a lot about texture. I'm, I really care a lot about texture in food. Um, so if you put a crust on it, it's a little harder to taste that sort of soft, not chewy, like chewy in a good way, chewiness of a hanger yeah. steak. Uh, and the, and and you know when you get a hard crust on something it has a that has flavor and the hanger steak has a really beautiful kind of uh, liverish also doesn't Liver, sound good but yeah. yeah but it's a flavor that I like so yeah. and the crust thing is interesting right because it's a yeah it's like a it's com- it's like a competing texture right so I want a crust on a ribeye right where there's all those big fat veins yeah. and you know it's a uh, it's a less tender meat yes but uh, with a hanger. I, I don't want a lot of crust. So we do a weird thing. We get a pan barely hot with a little bit of oil. We do it in the book. We do it here at the restaurant. Same, same. Uh, And just roll it in the pan so it's just barely gray on the outside. Mm -hmm. And then we put it on a rack in an oven. I don't even remember the temperature we did in the book, but the reality is you can do it at 350 or 450. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, one temperature takes Mm -hmm. a little longer than the other. Cook it till it's the right temperature. Inside, medium rare, uh, rare, medium, whatever you want, and then uh, rest it for mm-hmm. minimum of 10 minutes. Yeah. And while that resting's happening, you pour off the oil that was in the pan when you were turning it gray, put a bunch of butter in there, put some garlic, put some rosemary or thyme mm-hmm. or sage or whatever you want, and get the butter brown and, uh, and put the steak back in the pan. And while it, something happens while it's resting... And while it's cooking, the the I I don't know this. I'm only I'm like uh, this is what happens. You don't know the science. Yeah, of it. You I don't just know the know science. The effect. Yeah. yeah. So there there I but I something comes out of the 
uh, steak a little bit, and when you get it, when you roll it around in the hot butter, it sears a little bit. It, it caramelizes on the outside of the on the outside of the steak. Mm-hmm. So you get between the brown butter, you get a much thinner, finer surface huh. that gives you your you you get the flavor of yeah. caramelization without all that crust. Yes. Um, and and here's the cool thing for the home cook. No smoke. So you can do it in your apartment. You don't apartment. have to open your window in the winter. Yeah. You don't have to worry about the fire alarm. Yeah. yeah. You have to be a little bit careful about browning the butter so it doesn't yeah. go too far. But yeah. you can get a beautiful caramel-flavored steak at home with no smoke. Mm. How'd, you come, how'd you hit on that technique? I think it was chasing the texture of the hanger. Oh, so it wasn't like some happy accident. Like that was a trial and error. This thing. is one of those ways where the restaurant is lab is really cool. I mean, we've cooked, I, I don't even want to guess, 50,000 oh. orders of hanger steak here. Yeah. So, you know, after yeah. the first 2,000, I've thought, you know, yeah. and I, I, my favorite uh, station back there is the saute station. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, since I'm in charge of the whole restaurant, I don't, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing to say, but I don't really want to be in charge of the kitchen during service takes too much of my attention. So if I'm only in charge of the kitchen, I can't be in charge of, I can't see what's going on in the dining mm-hmm. room and I can't, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a lot, mm-hmm. just a, uh, in my learning about how to do this thing that I've taken on. Yeah. Uh, I can walk on the line and work saute and do, you know, spend a couple hours prepping the station and then get online and do saute. And I, I love to be told what to do. In uh-huh. there. You know, cook this now. You've got six of those. Cook chicken, do whatever. Is there anything I haven't asked you about your book that you want people to know about it? This is kind of the first interview I've done about this book. Oh, is it? So I'm, uh, okay. I'm not very good at it. You should tell no, me. You, you sold a million books. What do I need to tell them? <laughs> I think you sold it. We haven't talked about photographs. That's oh. the one thing I would maybe say is there Gosh. are very, um, what's the word I would use? I mean, first of all, they're full-page bleeds, meaning they're, they're full-page what they call beauty shots or hero shots, depending mm-hmm. on who your editor is. Mm-hmm. So there are these full-page shots of dishes. Yeah. Uh, they're not confined to a couple of chintzy inserts in the book, which is a pet peeve of mine as an author. Yeah. There's, what the, there's f- four color throughout, meaning full color throughout. Um, and um, it, it, it's not uh, what some people would call uh, chefy presentations or restaurant presentation. Yeah. So uh, the pictures tend to, instead of being uh, uh, vanity projects or therefore like as a souvenir of the restaurant or as a way to show off, um, to me they just make it even more um, irresistible to want to get in the kitchen and cook this stuff because it looks very doable. They're not intimidating photographs. Yeah, I love Is that, act- that you, you act- I wish I could show you the letter that I sent to Christopher and Melissa when I asked them if they would shoot the book because it says everything you just said, it says. It's why I wanted to work with them. Mm-hmm. So the book was shot by uh, uh, Christopher Hersheimer and Melissa Hamilton. Yeah. And we should uh, say Chris Hersheimer's maybe the person responsible years ago for the look of Savoir magazine. Yeah, that's right. Like that very romantic. She just has a romantic eye. Yeah. For stuff. And in the, but anyway, in, yes, in, in, in the, the moment, moment. She makes yeah. the she makes the food look like you want to eat it. Yeah. She is an immensely talented photographer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as you said, she doesn't shoot vanity photographs. No. She she it's the content of the picture. It's about the content of the picture. It's beautiful, but it's not it's unattainable. Not, it's not about how good a photographer yeah. she is. She doesn't right. need to tell you that. Yeah. 
She's, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. just fine. Yeah, and Melissa's <laughs> been her partner in crime forever. Yeah, so I, I sent him this impassioned email saying, you know, can we, William, this is what the book's about, and this is why I want you to do it, and this is why I think it would be amazing, this yeah. is why I love Canal House books, and this is why mm-hmm. I love blah, 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 blah. And uh, I couldn't believe it when they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we, um, we shot it in uh, two six-day stretches uh, at a house that a friend of mine owns out in the North Fork of Long Island mm-hmm. that's right on the beach. Yeah. A lot of windows. Christopher doesn't use any of the, They don't use any light. Yeah, all natural yeah, light. It's yeah, it's all natural lights. Yeah. She was really funny about when we get started. When we're saying, oh, all right, the light's too much. No, no, it's time to drink wine. You know, like the like day a is film over. crew, right? Yeah, We're losing the light. Yeah, I did one. I did one book that she shot. Yeah. Oh, which one? Terrence Brennan's Artisanal Cooking. Okay, which I worked on. Fun. Well, so it was just the it was just the three of us. Yeah, and Pete was around, but I was cooking the food. And, yep. Uh, I I love improvisation. I love working in the moment, and the three of us it was like immediately clear. Really just no prop assistant, no... Just okay. the three of us. That's amazing. Yeah, and... That also a, speaks very well to the two of them because they're at the top of their field and that usually entails, you know, an intern, uh-huh. a, a photography assistant, a prop assistant. I don't think they want the noise. I don't yeah. think they, they don't need the help and yeah. why? why? So it was great. I would That's like, great. you know, they knew what we were shooting and I yeah. would say, like, I'm going to do this now. Yes. And I had kept an Instagram of... Uh, while we were testing. Yeah. So I could show them my shot of it so they knew what the dish was going to kind of look mm-hmm. like when I was done. And, but along the way, I'd be like, oh, look, this is, you know, maybe this, you know, what if it's just like a fish on a plate that looked cool or yeah, yeah. half prepped ingredients or this and that. And just that was how it happened. It was glorious, honestly. It was, hard, it was definitely uh, hard work, especially because I was, I mean, I guess I had a helper the second time around. You mean the second six day run. The second six days, yeah. yeah I realized that it would be a good idea to. <laughs> well, a, I always say, uh, I wish we had known each other. Hopefully, somebody told you this, but you know when I, because I often get, a, I often kind of quote unquote produce or co-produce shoots, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I treat shoots. I tell people to think about their shoots like a dinner party. Mm-hmm. So you want to have, like, you know, a set, at least. So if you're going to shoot six dishes in a day, right? Two of them should be cold or room temp that either can be cooked ahead or require no cooking. Yeah. So those you can, oh, yeah. so those can be yeah. plated right like that. Yeah. You want to have like, you know, the bra- a braise or a stew or a soup, something that can be made first thing that day and just kind of on a double boiler, very low, just ready to be yeah. plated and propped. And then maybe two things that are a la minute. So you always have something on deck, yeah. right? That's, yeah. that's to me is how you get a, a, a productive, day where maybe you'll get like eight, 10 shots. Right. That doesn't about, sound like much, but that's, no, it's a lot. that's should, that's, if people are knocking off more food shots than that in a day, maybe you're going a little too fast. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I've definitely made sure at the beginning of every day I, I had one or two that I could like in your pocket, just, I yeah. could just get right out. So, yeah. you know, uh, if you're fishing, it's like you get blood on the boat. Like, you find right. what you got, okay, we got one. <laughs> So one last thing about yeah, the look. Please. Two things about the look of yes, the book. Please. When I, and uh, you, you're far more intimately aware of this or uh, have the experience of this. But when you know, I make stuff, right? So I yeah. think about okay, we're starting this, and I, I'm looking towards the end, and I'm looking about how the thing's going to be made. A cookbook is not a novel; it's an object. It's an aesthetic object that people are going to pick up and feel and mm-hmm. look at and use. And um, 
publishing industry is a little weird about how that thing's made in terms of order of operations. There's not uh, um, uh, I'm spacing the name the, the 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 name of this person's role. The person who makes the look and feel of the book doesn't come on board. The art director. Yeah, until or the graphic designer. Yeah, or, or, yeah. Uh, until the photographs are shot, until the book is written, it, it's a it's a little bit backwards. I think it's that's. Almost always true. Sometimes you'll deliver your manuscript and photographs at the same time. So you're basically delivering all of the pieces to someone who's had like no input along the way. Right. And so that can to lead me, to a, a disaster. It's a little bit like making the windows for the house before you yeah. build the house. Yes. Or well, before you yeah. talk to the architect. Yes. You know, yeah. it's just a backwards. And so that's that. I was worried about that. And it ended up working out so well, yeah. I mean, it could be because I was hectoring them the whole time and not quiet about how I thought this was sort of a weird order of operations to make something mm -hmm. that they hooked me up with amazing people who mm -hmm. did just really, really nice work. And we had an added challenge because in addition to photography, since the inception of the restaurant, I've worked with an illustrator whose mm -hmm. name's uh, Gerardo Blumenkrantz, mm -hmm. who draws these crazy illustrations, uh, of all manner of things mm -hmm. and whose sense of humor I think is also very sympathetic to mine and sort of life view and yeah. view of himself. And so he's been this sort of, uh, I don't know what the sort of character, yeah. whether it's his work product or himself in the restaurant that yeah. has carried through the restaurant. And I'm, I, you know, uh, uh, when editors were looking at our proposal, it was immediately clear that he should be part of the book. Yeah. So uh, and, and that has come to pass. So his drawings are all over the book. Mm -hmm. So the book designer is the term that I was searching yeah, for a minute yeah. ago, uh, had an added challenge of putting photographs and illustrations. Of integrating all that. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff. It's a lot of, that's, that's not an easy challenge. Um, no. And, uh, uh, I think they really hit it out of the water. No, they did really, a great job. Really I mean, I should what say as we're sitting here, I'm seeing a physical, man. I've seen a PDF. Yeah. But I'm holding, um, I mean, if we're honest, I'm holding a galley. Yeah. Um, we, you don't have finished books yet. I'm going to sit on this interview till pub date. <laughs> but so, yes, but to see it in person is great. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I think you're going to have fun with it. I hope I so. Think you're gonna, I think I'm, people I'm excited. are going to enjoy cooking out of it. I hope it gives me a chance to do uh, another one, honestly. I'm working on, Good. A, on a proposal now oh, that's for, the, great. for the next book. With Peter? Uh, he hasn't seen what I'm okay. doing yet. He knows it's happening. Okay. But, uh, okay. you know, going to get a bunch of ideas down and get them as clear as I can that's before great. I burden him with them. Well, it makes sense to me, having spoken to you for a little more than an hour now, that you would enjoy maybe... I, it makes sense to me that you would be frustrated by the things that we're all frustrated by, yeah. but also that you would enjoy the satisfaction of doing something like this. It's a dream, it is, it's a dream come is, true, honestly, for me. It's great. For, I mean, it's in the list for me of liking to make things. This yes. is a new. This is what I learned how to make over the course of the last three years. Right. This is the new thing yes. that I learned how to make. Right. And like all the other things that I learned how to make, now I want to make more. And that's our show for today. Our thanks to Ned Baldwin for being our guest today. Please buy his book, co-authored with Peter Kaminsky, How to Dress an Egg. I will link to it on the episode page for this conversation on the andrewtalkstochefs.com website. If you enjoyed this show, please explore our archives at andrewtalkstochefs.com or on your favorite podcast platform. It is available everywhere. And please tell a friend who you think might enjoy it. 
Thanks to Wild Turkey Surprise for today's opening music and to After School Special for the music you're listening to right now. Please seek them out online and enjoy more of their music. Thanks to our engineer, Margaret Kelly, for mixing this show. Our thanks to Sam Pellegrino for making these special reports possible. Thank you all for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take a breath. And we will all get through this together. See you tomorrow.